Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. This is episode number 44. Today's episode is brought to you by the Facebook algorithm. Well, sort of. The Facebook algorithm is always changing and has a really bad reputation among business owners. But when you get to know him, he's not so bad. Understanding the Facebook algorithm is the first step towards learning how to build a successful strategy on Facebook. Once you know how the algorithm works, you can download and implement my list of 10 tips for increasing your organic reach on Facebook. Head over to megbrunson.com slash reach to learn more. Now let's introduce today's guests. Jennifer Moss has over 30 years experience in database architecture, programming, and over 20 years as an internet entrepreneur. Her flagship site, babynames.com, was launched in 1996 and has been heralded as one of the top parenting websites on the internet. She's appeared in CNN Headline News, MSNBC, Fox News, local news stations, and a variety of radio and print media. She just recently launched the Baby Names podcast with her sister and co-founder of the site, Mallory Moss Katz. Jennifer has one daughter, Miranda, whom she raised as a single mom. Miranda Mendelson participates in the family business and also launched her own successful beauty blog, slashedbeauty.com while she was in college. Since then, Miranda has become a top beauty influencer, winning Allure's Most Buzzworthy Beauty Blogger Award and appearing in Glamour, Health, Seventeen, and other major magazines, as well as national ad campaigns. Today, I'm really excited to welcome mother-daughter duo Jennifer and Miranda to the podcast. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Miranda. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. So I'm really excited to have you guys on the show. I'm the mom of four kids, four girls nonetheless. So I visited babynames.com many times over the past 10 years. I feel like if one of those kids had been a boy, it would have been a little easier. We had our boy name picked out after baby one. And every time it was a girl, it got a little (laughs) bit harder to find another girl name we liked that much. I don't know if you know this, but I'm one of four girls. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And we're all partial owners of the website. So where are you in the lineup? I'm third. Okay. And how did, how did that go? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the two older girls were born about a year apart. And then there were seven years in between them and me. So we were all kind of separated into like the two older and the two younger. And so me and my younger sister, Mallory, 
are a little closer and the two older girls are a little closer. But just having the family business kind of brought us all together again. I love that. And I feel like that's a similar dynamic in my house. My older two are seven and 10, and they pretty much gravitate towards each other despite the three-year age difference. And then my younger two are three and four, which sounds much closer than they are because my four-year-old is almost five. Yeah. But they gravitate towards each other too. And they're working on their own little business project. So awesome. So at what stage of your life did you guys bring baby names together? I was in my 30s and I had been a programmer by trade and started babynames.com just kind of as a fluke to get to know the internet platform because I'd already had a database of names and meanings that I had put together for a software program that I wrote with my mom. And uh, so I kind of slapped the database online and I registered babynames.com and the rest, as they say, is history. People just started coming in droves and um, it got so big that I just couldn't manage it myself. So I, you know, recruited my sisters and my mom to help me. Now at the time, Miranda was three, so she couldn't really help me at the time. But once she was of age, um, I definitely brought her into the mix as well. So Miranda, what do you remember from your childhood? Like what are the earliest things you remember helping with your mom's business? Um, Well, I guess technically like my first experience was I was a part of the online community that she built um, via message boards. So I was um, interacting with, you know, other fans of the site as like the baby names baby. Um, and so that was kind of like my first interaction with the website. And then when I was older in high school, as far as actually helping with the business, I guess you could call it like my first job was my mom taught me how to use QuickBooks to start doing small bookkeeping, just a little like data entry and organizing, which I mean, you know, years later really helps me now with my own business. But that was kind of my first, um, my first contribution, I guess you could say. And then you also did the videos for YouTube. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So we had um, a YouTube series, short-lived but very fun, um, where it was the celebrity baby rap. So basically we reported on all of the celebrity pregnancies and births and names. And that we did on YouTube. I forgot I was the host of that. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And is there anything, Jennifer, that you can think of maybe when she was younger, ways that you involved her in? the business that she might not remember? Um, Well, I think I always exposed her to what I was doing, whether I was working for somebody else or whether I was working for myself. I mean, I always kind of brought her in and exposed her and explained to her, you know, what I was doing. And I think that's important for parents to do. Like, it shouldn't be separate from your parenting you know, your business, you know, so if she asked questions, I would answer them. And I always tried to make her part of it. So I think that's what made her comfortable in being a businesswoman once she grew up and, and always wanting to have a career. And I know that you were a single mom. So you were raising her solo. What are some of your tips for balance? I know, for myself, it's, it's easy for me to just credit my husband for for picking up a lot of the slack. But I'd love to hear your perspective on what single parents can do to balance baby and business. 
Well, there were times that I had balance and there were times when I didn't, you know, in the, in the pinnacle of the first dot-com industry, when it was just so crazy, I was seriously working 70, 80 hours a week and I brought her to the office. They allowed me to. So that could have been another reason why she was exposed so young. Um, but then I, I distinctly remember her coming up to me and telling me, mom, you're working too much. And I need time. And one great thing about Miranda, she always says what she's thinking. And if she needed my attention, she would ask for it. You know, she didn't act out, but she'd be like, I really want to talk to you now, or I want to have reading time with you. And so, you know, when a three or four year old approaches you and says something like that, you listen, (laughs) you know, and that's how I became a little more balanced is because she actually asked for it. Well, that's convenient. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I will say on on the other end of that, I mean, being in my twenties now and looking back on my childhood, like I don't remember you ever being unavailable to me. Right. So I don't know. You did a good job. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, and I think that's a really great point too, that sometimes we feel guilty because as parents, I think we're projecting how we think our kids are going to remember us, but it's, it's not how they really remember us. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) At what point let's hop back over to Miranda. So when you're, when you were a teenager, you started working on QuickBooks Mm -hmm. um, to help your mom. And then at what point did you decide you wanted to launch something of your own? Well, that's kind of a funny question because I feel like even earlier than that, like I always had little ideas that I wanted to do. Like I I remember probably in the third or fourth grade, I stole a lot of my mom's like beauty lotions and stuff. And I like mixed them together and sold bottles of like this DIY face mask. And I literally brought it to school in a basket and started selling it to my friends. I feel like that was probably my first entrepreneur uh, experience. I totally (laughs) forgot about that. Yeah. Literally mix it is so not, you know, not FDA approved. It was like Lubriderm and vanilla extract and just so weird. But that was like my first thing. Cause I don't know. I was just, I was always a creative person and I wanted to find ways to channel that with the growth of the internet and the resources that it had for people who wanted to kind of start their own thing. I remember cafe press was like one of the sites where you could customize and sell your own designs. And I was learning Photoshop, you know, at a young age. And so I started making funny little like slogan t-shirts and telling my friends to buy those. Um, So those are kind of my first forays into just starting something from nothing. And I remember having blogs as well, you know, growing up, it was always just kind of something that I learned from my mom that I think I applied to myself was finding ways to make money from things you enjoy to do anyway. After that, I did Etsy with knitted projects. I did that well into college as well. And I would sell those both in person and online. So I've always been kind of a person where like, if there's something I like to do and I'm good at it, I'll figure out how to get paid for it and just see how it goes. Gosh, I love that. And I do want to ask your mom a question. So mm-hmm. when, when you discovered that Miranda had gone in and stolen all your beauty products and <laughs> um, repurposed them, sold them, how do you balance as a parent, how do you balance like fostering her creativity and entrepreneurship with 
punishment because <laughs> she took all your lotion. I feel like that's that's like a real problem in my house. <laughs> you know, I don't think it was an issue at the time. I think she asked me first okay. and I'm like, yeah, whatever. I probably was so busy in what I was doing. I'm like, go for it. You know, and didn't realize that she was selling this stuff at school. <laughs> Um, but then I believe I did put a kibosh on it after a while because I, you know, other parents might be like, what are you buying and what is in that? Well, I remember you specifically giving me my first lesson on profit and loss actually, because right. you were asking me how much I was selling them for. And I think I said like 50 cents or something. You're like, that makes no sense because right. you have to buy these products. And I'm like, but they're free. They're in the bathroom. And you're like, that's <laughs> they're not free, but that's that was like my first lesson on like how to price things when you have to pay for materials. Yeah, a lot of my guests are at the stage where they've got young children, but mm. not quite at the stage where they've got a twenty-year-old child who's now stepped fully into the entrepreneurial role. So I love hearing about these stories from way back when and how they led to where you are now. And so she started the business that she's currently doing while she was going to college. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, Miranda, I guess you could talk about it, but it started as a YouTube channel and kind of like baby names, it just took off, you know, and it became a business. I'm curious what you went to college for. Um, communications. And then I minored in gender women's studies. What made you choose those things? So getting into college was a struggle for me because I was (laughs) admittedly a great student, 4.0, but I was not getting into college. Um, And at the time, actually, my my career goal was to be a singer, a singer, an actress. And I had worked really hard, you know, from teenagerhood to, you know, senior year of high school on, on expanding that and really going after that. And so... It got to a point, though, when I was a senior in high school where I was like, you know, I kind of want to still go to college and have that normal experience because we were at a crossroads of, well, do we do like the Hollywood route and, and you know, chase that or do I go to college and, and have a, I guess you could say, fallback plan. And so the one out of like three colleges I got into, I didn't really know what I wanted to study because I was doing music as my passion. And that's what I thought my career was going to be, that I couldn't really think of anything else that I would be good at, to be completely honest. And, you know, clearly I'm like a teenager. I'm like, I'm not good at anything else. This is all I can do. So, you know, I started reading course uh, descriptions. And at first I actually wanted to go into journalism because that was a genuine other interest of mine. Um, I always loved writing. I loved creative writing. And I thought that 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 would be something that I could be good at. Um, However, when I went in to meet with a college counselor, they kind of gauged my interest on like different electives and stuff. And they actually kind of geared me towards communications because they said that it would allow me more freedom to take electives and minor in something if I was interested in versus journalism, which was a very structured four-year program that you couldn't really like stray away from. what they had set up for you. So, you know, I I started looking and I figured communications, it covered so many bases where I was like, no matter what I end up doing, I'll be able to apply this, Um, which, you know, it totally fulfilled that, that thought too, because even now I'm remembering things that I learned in different courses that totally relate to what I do now. So 
um, yeah, I'm really glad that I ended up going that route and that did allow me to, to minor in something that I was passionate about, but didn't quite know if that was going to be a quote unquote real career as far as gender women's studies. But I did have that chance to kind of explore things I was actually interested in. My kids are split, whether they even have an interest in college or not. And I know that may change, mm-hmm. but being brought up entrepreneurially, it's interesting to me to know the thought process behind well, you know, I think like, I think even in the past five years that has changed in terms of the attitude toward four-year colleges. When I was going to college, it was still very much the thing you do after high school, especially in my high school, which is a very um, nationally ranked high school where everyone goes to a four-year college and does something, you know. But even now, especially with the rise of internet entrepreneurs, I think there is a little bit more of um, kind of a lax approach to do you go to college or do you, even if it's just, do you go to college now or do you try something new and then maybe you go, you know what I mean? Sure. So you mentioned you started with YouTube and then can you talk about the, the pivot from YouTube to when you became Slashed Beauty? Yeah. So it's funny because I, I had my first YouTube channel when I was in high school and that was just like me and my friends being silly and then also my singing videos because that's what I wanted to do. So then when I got to college, I kind of got more into makeup artistry as like a hobby and just as a passion of watching other people do it on YouTube. And what prompted me to create my channel was, you know, being a freshman in college, I didn't have the funds that I used to when I had an allowance from mom to uh, go to Sephora and buy, you know, everything that these other YouTubers are talking about. So I guess I realized that I might have a little bit of a different viewpoint than what was already on the internet. And so I started my YouTube channel to focus on budget beauty and how to stay up with the latest trends without having to spend money on like designer products and high-end products. So it started out as just like, you know, a hobby. I maybe posted a video every once in a while, especially during summer when I was bored. I had nothing else to do. And then I would say probably a year and a half after I started the YouTube channel, I had quit my club that I was a part of in college. And I started working at an office because I wanted to, you know, start getting real world day job experience. And I needed more of a creative outlet. So I started pouring my free time into the blog and just kind of saying, okay, this is going to be my thing. This is going to be my, my creative outlet now. And when I started spending more time on it, that's when it started getting more attention because I was able to really, you know, keep it fresh and keep it updated and, and network with other people online about it. So I'm curious, of everything that your mom has taught you, what would you say is like the number one lesson that you learned from your mother from watching her entrepreneurship that really guided you through the growth and pivoting of your business and the business success? One thing that I learned from my mom was that if something doesn't work out, it's okay. And also being an entrepreneur, one, it's not going to be easy. And two, it's not always going to be stable. And that's a risk. You know, um, I was talking with her earlier and I said, Hey, do you remember when I wanted to go full time with Slash Beauty? She actually discouraged me a little from it because it was a little bit, I think of a mom sheltering situation because she knows how hard it can be. And I was 23. I want to say when I, when I took the leap to go full time, I had only worked one real corporate job. And so she, you know, she said, you still have a lot to learn from people, people, you know, the corporate world can offer you a lot before you do take that leap. 
but I did it anyway. <laughs> um, but, but one thing I did learn and kind of always have to remind myself from watching her growing up and, and going through a bunch of different entrepreneur projects, not just baby names, but other things that she has, you know, tried and either succeeded at, or maybe it kind of fell to the wayside is that, you know, sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not going to work, but as long as you keep going and you have something else in your back pocket, you'll be okay. And if you enjoy what you're doing too, because then you'd be doing it anyway. So Jennifer, yes, like Miranda just mentioned, like you kind of were encouraging of her to stay corporate maybe a little longer, or it sounds like you may have had some hesitation about encouraging entrepreneurship. And I've actually gotten that from some of our previous guests, right? where they're like, yeah, you know, my, my daughter's, you know, six and she's showing these signs, but I don't know if I want her to be an entrepreneur because of all of these because the negative sides, we all know there's negative sides. Right. Can you touch a little bit on that, on what your feelings were then and maybe what they are now? I, I think I was also projecting my experience in that when I worked for other people, I learned a lot. And there were people that I worked with and worked for that taught me things that I would never have learned on my own. Um, and so it wasn't really a matter of risk. It was a matter of it's so isolating Mm. when you're working yourself and you don't get the brain share that you do when you're working in a team environment. Now, like she said, she has found her online communities of other bloggers and other beauty bloggers. And she kind of, those are her coworkers in some respect. Um, so that's great. But I was worried that she would be jumping into it without kind of a solid foundation of how business works. And, and that was kind of my reservation. But, you know, she came back and said, you know, it's hot right now. I've got the sponsors. I've got the income. And if I don't put in 100% now, this thing could pass me by. <laughs> you know, I remember that being her argument. And I said, I can understand that too. And, um, but yeah, I was concerned but she did it and she did it beautifully and uh, she's a success. So she made the right decision for her. I will say too, another thing my mother taught me that I think is pivotal to entrepreneurship is how to save my money. Mm. Mm. Exactly. I am so frugal. <laughs> and even, even now as a married woman, I, I'm buying you know generic brands and everything. But when I did quit my day job, I had about a year and a half of my share of the rent saved up just in case. And so that was also a little bit of like, okay, if it doesn't work out, at least I can pay my bills for a little bit while I, and, and two, I had a a very supportive boss who was always very um, supportive of what I wanted to do on the side. He knew about slash beauty and always asked, you know, if I needed anything for that or needed any support, he'd be there. So, so when I went to him and told him it was time, he, he kind of already knew he had a feeling. And so I knew too, in my heart that if anything really went wrong, I kind of had someone to turn to if, if something... He probably would have taken you back, right? Probably. I mean, I don't yeah. want to say for sure, but he, yeah. he, was just, he, was, he was always like on my team and rooting for me. Right. So Jennifer, what would you say your... I always ask my guests what their number one piece of advice is. So for the parent entrepreneur, mm-hmm. what's the number one piece of advice that you'd want to leave them with? 
I think like Miranda said, it's really important to instill in your children, whether it's about starting businesses or any part of life, that if you try something and it doesn't work out, then that's okay. It's not a failure. It just didn't work out. And so you learn from it. You learn from the experience. You kind of break it down and figure out why and what can you do differently next time. You know, there's no shame in it. I've had ideas. I've had products. I've had businesses and websites that have not worked out. And, uh, you know, you just kind of have to move on. It. I lost the shame from that and I used it as a building block. And I think that's number one that you could teach your children. That's great. And I I definitely agree with you there. Stop thinking of them as failures and start thinking of them as lessons. Right, exactly. And with that said, I think it like you really do have to have thick skin to go after your dreams because there are still days where if I have a bad day or it's unproductive, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not cut out for this. I'm just going to get a job. You know what I mean? And they're, they're still like literally, and my mom knows because I'll text her and I'll be like, I just applied to three jobs because I'm tired of this. Because <laughs> there are, you know, very stressful parts of working for yourself, especially in my industry where I'm like everything. I am a one woman show. But then, you know, the next day I, I make a game plan and I kill it. And, you know, it is an up and down. So I think, you know, people have to realize if they do want to decide to, you know, follow their dreams or make their passion a reality is that there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. You just have to make sure they weigh out to be the right ratio. You're definitely not the only one because I have those days too, where it's like, I'm going to work at Target, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Target's always my fallback. (laughs) But in the end, it all, it all works out. And it does. Sometimes you just need a self-care day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Miranda, what role are you currently playing with babynames.com? With babynames.com, I guess I'm technically CFO. Is that my official title? Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) So I am handling payouts, but also on the actual website itself. Um, I'm doing more of the social media side of it because that does relate to what I have the most experience in. So whether it's updating the Facebook or just consulting and kind of coming up with strategies on where we should go with the social media, what we should focus on. That's been my focus, I think, for the past couple of years now. Mm -hmm. So you've never really lost the QuickBooks from teenage years? No, not. I mean, I use that now for for my own business. So that was like invaluable because I could jump right into it and I understood how to use it because a lot of a lot of bloggers, they aren't so great at keeping up with like their payments and, and using software like that. So I, that was like definitely a leg up that I had from my work with baby names. Now, how do you balance working on baby names and working on your own business? Like, do you, is that scheduling or, or how do you, how do you balance those things? Yeah, it's scheduling. I mean, you, you, it's hard balancing social media anyway, because it's a 24 hour industry. So I'm just always working. <laughs> That's just kind of how it is. Um, and so, you know, if my mom pops it up on my screen and needs something from me or wants to chat, it's just kind of like, okay, let me arrange my day. Here's a time. And so, yeah, it definitely is scheduling. I mean, I live by my planner. That's, you know, if it's not in my planner, it's not happening. And my mom's learned that too, where she'll, she'll ask me to go run an errand. And I'm like, nope, not, it's not in my planner today. It needs to Yeah. Be. I was going to say, we're respectful of each other's schedules and we keep each other posted on what we're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, she'll say, I have a meeting, you know, from 12 to three or an event. 
So I make sure that I'm not like bothering her for business or for pleasure during that time. Definitely. But I think in general, it's just hard to balance in, in an online industry specifically because yeah. it's always on. Yeah. And I consider myself multi-passionate. So I have a couple different moving parts and it's the same thing. It's trying to find the right approach, the right balance, the right tools to ensure that each project is getting a little bit of time every day or every week or whatever the case may be. And it's really um, inspiring that you do this with four children because <laughs> I only had one and Miranda has cats. So <laughs> That's where the podcast came from. You know, right. when you started talking about the way that you were raising Miranda with answering her questions, you know, when she had them, that's really what got me through. It, it wasn't easy in the beginning. Um, and I did a lot of closed door but then it was like, I wasn't really saving anything. Like I stopped working a corporate job to spend more time with my kids. But then I was spending all this time at home in a closed room. Mm -hmm. So it's opening the door and answering their questions and finding creative ways to get them involved. And they're actually, I don't know if you know this, but they're recording their own podcast right now. So that should be launching relatively soon. And it's I don't have any big expectations because they're each following their own little passion. I don't know how big of a following there's going to be for three and four-year-olds telling bad (laughs) knock-knock jokes, but they are so proud of themselves. Yeah. It's great experience no matter what. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, So tell me a little bit about where Baby Names is right now. I know that it's not just stagnant. Like you're coming up with new things all the time. I know you said you try things and you have successes and not so successful things, but what are you doing right now? Well, since we're 22 years old, it's one of the oldest websites out there. Um, You know, we constantly have to reinvent ourselves and we want to stay number one. We started as number one. We were the only named site on the internet at the time and we want to stay there. Um, And our newest venture is the podcast. It's the Baby Names Podcast. And, uh, you know, like I said, me and my younger sister, Mallory, are close. And I just, you know, wrote her and said, you want to do a podcast about baby names? Because there isn't one out there. And I think this could just like renew the site and interest in it. And we can promote parts of the site and we can talk about names. And we even incorporated what Miranda used to do, which was the celebrity baby rap. We have that as a segment on our podcast as the uh, Celebrity Baby News. And, you know, I put together a little structure. I had to walk my sister through how to set up a microphone and everything. Um, But it, it ended up being a success. You know, it's one of those things that immediately got thousands and thousands of listeners just because we already had the audience built in. So we were lucky that way. And that's how it came to be an idea of mine. I was like, you know, we've got the people. We've got the audience. So this is kind of a no-brainer. And um, we, so we pick a name topic of the week, whether, you know, this upcoming one is going to be names from food, like mm-hmm. Apple or the top baby names list from the Social Security office or character names, things like that. We talk about the celebrity baby news and then we take questions and answers from listeners. So, yeah, that's what we're doing now. And we keep refreshing the website with new names and information that people send us. We have several blogs on the site, not just the celebrity baby blog, but I do a QA 
and we have children's book reviews and just a bunch of fun stuff that is name related or just parenting related. So I can only imagine the pressure on Miranda if and when she decides to have a child and maybe she's already encountered this with her pets. Um, <laughs> but Miranda, is is the pressure going to be real? Like, do you have stress over telling your mom like what your new pets are going to be named? Or do you think that you may have that issue if and when you decide to have children? Well, I used baby names for my cats. So, well, for my second cat, my husband named our first cat after a Game of Thrones character because that was the condition of getting a cat. (laughs) (laughs) And then he became a cat person. So it worked out. Um, But yeah, I did use baby names. And we actually have a pet division, petbabynames.com, specifically for more kind of pet appropriate names. Um, But as far as human babies, they're really not on my radar. So I think if my mom ever got that call, I think that'd probably be the more surprising thing than whatever I chose to name them. Although I have a feeling just because she's my mom, whatever I choose, it'll be there will be some some apprehension. There'll be a lot of thought put into it, too, I believe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't go naming my kids something crazy just because I think you know, she wouldn't let me. <laughs> I'll be honest. I gave my kids fake crazy names so that when they were actually born and I named them what I wanted to name them, everybody would be like, well, it was better than your first <laughs> yeah. option. So my, my first baby, when I was pregnant, I called her Velveeta. Oh my <laughs> and, gosh. And my second baby, I called Lightbulb. Okay. I didn't do that for my last two. I don't know why. Maybe I just matured enough, but that's what I called them when I was pregnant with them. So the one I actually named them, everybody was like, well, at least you didn't name the kid light bulb. <laughs> well, that's a good strategy. Yeah. I think though, like just being part of the baby names world, I'll probably choose well the first time anyway, because I think about things differently mm-hmm. because I've been, you know, in the industry. And so I'll think about things like, bullying and having to spell it for people, which, you know, maybe doesn't quite come to mind immediately when people just think, oh, I want to name my kid blah. Yeah, that was gonna be my next question. So do you have any tips for the expecting parents listening? Like, what are some good tips? And those might be two of the big ones. Think about about spelling. But what are some of the things people should keep in mind when they're trying to name their little ones? Well, what I first say is that think of the name from the perspective of the person who has to bear it. You know, will this name grow with the child? It, will it work as a toddler and in the boardroom? You know, make sure you're also naming an adult and not just a baby. And will it be a burden on them? Are they going to have to spell it for people or pronounce it for people? And that does become a burden for common names that have creative spellings. And we've all seen those. And don't make your baby's name a joke, which I think some people do. You know, Crystal Chandelier or something like that, where if they have to say their name for people, other people will laugh at them. That can kind of hurt an ego of a child. Because basically, this is the first uh, form of their identity. So make sure that, you know, they can bear it their entire lives. Great tips. I really appreciate that. I know my my mom was always worried about initials spelling things. Right. That too. That that was a lesson I grew up with. Yeah. And I had a funny, I have an H in my name. So my name's Megan with an H. Mm -hmm. I always hated having to identify that H. Megan with an H is what you said, right? Right. right. (laughs) So 
Could you share where the name Miranda came from? Absolutely. It was um, her grandmother's maiden name on her dad's side. So her grandmother was Guillermina Miranda. And as soon as I heard that Miranda or Miranda was my husband's mother's maiden name, even when I was just dating him, I said, that's going to be our daughter's name. And he looked at me and he's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) And we got married and we got pregnant and we had a girl. So I was like, that's it. It's Miranda. And of course, he's not going to say no because his mom was just so thrilled. And so then I had to use my mother's name as the middle name so we could balance it out a little um, and uh, please both sides. So she got the initials MMM. She was Miranda Margaret Mendoza. And now she's Miranda Margaret Mendelssohn. Whoop, whoop. I got to keep all my monograms. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. And I love alliterative names anyway. And, you know, having such a common name as Jennifer and everybody and their sister was named Jennifer when I was growing up, I really, I think that's what kind of bond my my interest in names and unusual names. And although Miranda was not specifically unusual, it wasn't a top 100 name. Sure. So Miranda, can you tell us a little bit about where people can find you now? Sure. Um, You can find me at slashedbeauty.com. I also have YouTube, Instagram, basically any social media at slashedbeauty. And then I don't, can you, can you mention where people can find all the baby name stuff too, Jennifer? Sorry. I don't think we talked about exactly where people can find you. Yeah, I mean, our website is babynames.com, as easy as pie. And we are babynames.com, D-O-T-C-O-M, spelled out on all social media. Um, So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, it's Baby Names TV. And on iTunes and anywhere you get your podcasts, you can just look up the Baby Names podcast. Gosh, thank you so much. This has been so cool. And thank you, Miranda, for coming on as well and sharing little bits of your childhood with us, as well as the pivots that have brought you to where you are today. For so many of my listeners, like you guys are the success story that they're aspiring to. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we love being here and having our conversation with you. Thanks for having us. Thank you both so much. You'll find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode plus the show notes at megbrunson.com slash 44. Last week, we met Armando Cruz. He's a connoisseur of experiences, a husband, a father, an adventurer, and best-selling author, an ultramarathoner, a lifestyle physical therapist, and a legacy coach who helps growth-minded married men live happier, more connected, and more fulfilled lives through his coaching programs. Armando's unique approach helps strip away the clutter internally and externally that helps men from showing up daily as the greatest and grandest versions of who they are for themselves, their families, and their legacy. Now, for those moms listening, don't worry. Everything we talked about was totally applicable to us, too. So make sure you go back and give that episode a listen. Next week, we'll meet Heather Chauvin. She's been named the next generation's thought leader in parenting and women's leadership. Her mission is to crack women open to their deep potential and help them understand and decode their child's behaviors. Heather is a TEDx speaker and the creator of the Mom is in Control podcast. She's been featured on the OWN Network, Huffington Post, TV outlets, and others. With wit and wisdom, 
Heather inspires a global community of women to take back control of their lives and evolve how they lead, work, play, and parent. Subscribe to the podcast now so that you're sure not to miss that episode. Have a great week, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye. Don't miss my mom's next episode. Bye.